Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you right after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Howland to Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make that sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Race attack on watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May. If you're jumping in for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we'll often look at things through a fantasy football lens, but we always dig into some real college football and NFL analysis too. If you joined us for our first or our second episode, you already know we've been kicking things off with the NFL University Series, diving into the debate as to what schools send the best playmakers to the NFL at all our favorite positions. We've already covered quarterbacks, tight ends, and running backs, and now it's time to talk wide receivers and the real wide receiver university. And to help me tackle this tough task, I'm joined by a very special guest, Matt Wispay, or Wispy the Kid on Twitter. He is a part of our Rotoviz Devi and College content team, and he'll actually be writing up some future NFL draft prospect breakdowns on several top college football teams here soon. And he's actually already taken care of Ohio State, which is his favorite team, of course. But uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Who, who are you working on next uh, after your favorite team? So I, uh, I dropped my, my second article in the series on Monday. I actually dropped USC as well. Next up uh, for me, I'm going to take a look at Penn State, and I think I'm going to actually do Arizona State after that. There's a lot of talent around college football. As you know, I had to start off with with the best team in college football. Uh, so <laughs> the with, with Ohio all the, State. The Ohio State bringing, they've got all the all the talent coming in for the next couple of years and uh, really excited to take a look into that. Uh, USC's actually kind of probably been my favorite one to dive into, though, because their wide receiver room is really stacked. Yeah. And uh, they're kind of this weird team because they've got a great quarterback, amazing wide receivers, and their running back room is uh, unexpectedly terrible. So they were. They, it's weird to say that's fun to look at, but it's kind of fun to see like a team that has kind of gone all in on the air raid. And that's a team that for me is really exciting. Absolutely. I mean, we, we already talked about, uh, uh, we already talked about Keaton Slovis on the, the QBU episode and uh, they didn't really make an appearance on the, the tight end conversation and really didn't make much of an appearance in the running back conversation, but they will definitely, We'll definitely talk about some of their top wide receivers today. And really, if you're unfamiliar with the wide receiver university debate, I mean, lots of casual football fans, you know, we argue about, you know, what team is, you know, cranks out the most position X uh, versus another school. And so there's always a debate and that's fun to be had. But really, that can help us fantasy football nerds in, in just identifying programs, coaches, schemes that that send the most playmakers at various positions to the pros so hopefully that can give you guys an edge in your devi or dynasty football leagues or even you know redraft if you're thinking about some incoming rookies this year or some second year breakout targets from various schools hopefully this episode will help you out a lot 
But uh, we're going to dive right into the wide receiver university debate, and we'll kick it off with this week's FFPC Stat Attack, one of our favorite sponsors here, the FFPC. Great place to play fantasy football. And the, the most ridiculous stat I think that I found, I've been building up this you know historic production document from uh, all the schools to ever put up a fantasy point since 2000. And one of the most ridiculous things I found that surprised me was that Clemson is barely a top 10 wide receiver U school in terms of production since 2010. They're actually 10th in terms of PPR fantasy points scored since 2000. So if you're expecting the show to all you know be all about Clemson and the, the basically the last five or six years, uh, it's not going to be that. We will get to them, but first we're going to dive into the schools that have just dominated for the past 20 years straight. And really just going to talk about the, the top five schools that have just brought it in terms of NFL real live production. Obviously, we, we've seen a lot of points out of Florida State over the years. Florida, LSU, Miami, Ohio State in no particular order. We don't want to give away the wide receiver you right away. But since you know you had your piece on the Ohio State University, let's kick it off there and just talk about some of the the top scoring wide receivers from there and then some of our favorite players that are there now that we believe could make a difference in the NFL here soon. When you look back over the years, yeah, I mean, here recently, uh, everyone thinks of, oh, Michael Thomas, but, uh, you know, you you got guys like Joey Galloway, Ted Ginn even has actually been a steady producer for the past, like, decade, Santonio Holmes, of course, and, you know, even like Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin here in the past couple of years, maybe they'll add some fantasy points, but uh, who are you most excited about on Ohio State at the wide receiver position moving forward? So moving forward, I mean, I still think, I, I think Curtis Samuel's in a decent spot, um, obviously, at Rotoviz, we couldn't get very far without saying uh, Terry McLaurin. He's uh, that that first year in the system with Washington was really really strong, and I, I think there's a decent chance he's a consistent wide receiver two, and probably flashes a few wide receiver one se- uh, seasons. So pretty excited to see that happen. The one name that uh, I feel like is noticeably mistaken from the list of players you mentioned, however, uh, is Terrell Pryor. I'm kidding, actually. I I really hate <laughs> Terrell Pryor. He was the slowest walker on campus ever, and I really don't like him. But what I meant was, uh, actually, at the beginning of the 2000s, Chris Carter. It it feels like he's been out of the league for seven thousand years. But I mean, two <laughs> or two seasons with nearly 200 PPR seasons. Uh, I mean, 200 PPR points in a year. Yeah, contributing even into the. Early yeah. 2000s. 2000, 2001. I mean, it, it, I don't know if you noticed it, but it, it, it is his voice to kick off the show. It's, I actually yeah. took a snippet from his uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame speech uh, as he's welcoming yeah. everybody to Canton, Ohio. Uh, but uh, I, I thought you maybe, if anybody's going to recognize that voice, it might be you. But yeah, Chris Carter, a lot of people forget that, man, he was an Ohio State great. I mean, obviously, people from that area may not, but all over the country, not everybody thinks, oh yeah, Chris Carter put up like a bajillion points. So it's it's really been even before the, the, the 2000s that Ohio State has been dominating. But players that are there now that I'm excited about, obviously Chris Olave had a dozen touchdowns last year. Garrett Wilson was kind of breaking out a little bit. But after that, they've got a bunch of uh, opportunity to be had. I mean, you've got a, a few true freshmen that I think are pretty exciting you're high on Chris Olave. So 
And you've been high on Olave for a while now. So can you explain to the listeners why you're so confident that he's going to see some draft capital and NFL success? Yeah, like you said, I'm pretty much the leader across the industry on uh, ranking of Chris Olave. Uh, I was I had him in the top 16 uh, before we switched our rankings over to Superflex, and now he has dropped super far. He's now 17. But the reason I'm really high on him is I don't think you can undervalue the benefit of having a built-in very strong relationship with the quarterback when it comes to having a true dominant season and with KJ Hill, Austin Mack, uh, Benjamin Victor all going out the door and, and even JK Dobbins, there's a lot of volume to be passed around. And I think a lot of that's going to go to Alave. And the reason why I'm, I guess I'm so high on him is in the biggest moments of the biggest games, Justin Fields went to Chris Alave when they needed a big play. It was Chris Alave. The first, uh, the touchdown on four on fourth down, that they scored to take the, retake the lead against Clemson went to Chris Olave. The final play of the game, that interception that everyone's going to remember, and I'm not crying, you're crying. Um, <laughs> that was that was a pass to Chris Olave where Chris Olave had he just stayed with his route was wide open blowout, but in the biggest moment they went to him. So he's definitely the guy that he looks for when he needs a big play. And I mean, if you're the alpha wide receiver one on a top two offense in the country. You're going to put up video game numbers, and if that earns you NFL draft, like round one draft stock, all of a sudden having Chris Olave near the top five in your wide in your wide receiver rankings doesn't seem crazy. Yeah, and I think uh, real draft Twitter and real draft and analysts are coming around on the idea that oh wow, okay, so Chris Olave is a legit prospect. I see more and more people having him rated as a day two. Uh, wide receiver I'm not sure he's going to get that round one capital but if he puts up some crazy numbers and Justin Fields takes that next step because he really he doesn't have that many that many starts in college he could have an even better year than last year uh, which is kind of inconceivable just thinking about how efficient he was and how uh, well he really protected the ball and everyone thinks about that wide you know that that interception that was kind of on Chris Olave, not sticking to his route. It was, it was route. fully Olave's fault. It was absolutely Olave's fault. But a lot of people think about that play and like, oh yeah, Justin Fields throws picks. He really doesn't. I, I, I yeah, can't I mean, wait to see what happens to Olave's numbers this year. He could explode. I think he's going to see the best, you know, yards per team pass attempt numbers and dominator that, that he's ever seen. And he could, he could even have in, have better touchdown numbers. All in terms of touchdowns per team pass attempt, it could be even better there given the inexperience at the position. And those three metrics are, are for those listeners not unfamiliar, are three that are pretty important to us here at Rotoviz. They kind of help us predict the future in, in terms of at least um, predicting and clearing up some of the variance in, in uh, future NFL production for wide receiver prospects. Uh, and we'll get more into that in future episodes. Uh, but for now, Garrett Wilson. I feel like a lot of people have him over Chris Olave, even though they're going to have to wait at least one more year. And he, you know, obviously he was a freshman, but he didn't get close to Olave in terms of production. Uh, so are are you, I guess you have Olave over, over Wilson still? I do. I, I, I mean, I still have Wilson high. I'm th- There was a little bit of bias. I, I won't even lie about it, but I have Wilson around 25th overall. Part of my reason for liking him was he was the, top rated wide receiver to ever commit to Ohio state, at least since 2000, he was basically tied with Ted Ginn until this year when they signed an absurd class. But 
he's he's immensely talented and he did have some really big plays I'm, I he had a pretty ridiculous catch on the sidelines in the game against Clemson and <laughs> he's kind of had those wow moments yeah he's right if if you're judging Garrett Wilson at like as a Debbie asset you sort of have to take a half step away from the numbers as much as I love numbers you kind of have to look a little bit at how like how talented he is on the field and one interesting thing about him is that there's a lot of talk that they're going to move him into the slot this year instead of playing him on the outside if they do put him there that kind of gives him the potential to fill in some of the void lost by losing KJ Hill and I know people probably aren't that excited by KJ Hill but KJ Hill is the all-time reception leader at Ohio State there's volume and if Garrett Wilson can get that volume he's definitely more talented than KJ Hill it'll be interesting to see what he can do with it oh yeah and I'm interested to see the third option that kind of steps up there it's really between Julian Fleming Jackson Smith and Jigba and G Scott Jr uh, three true freshmen coming in uh, who would you be your pick I know a lot of people are high on Fleming because you know he's like the next Julio Jones I've heard some really interesting hyperbolic takes on on what Fleming could be but are you in that court or do you like one of the other two a little bit more I'm a Smith and Jigba guy, and it's mostly because of what he did during his senior year. I think he put up 32 receiving touchdowns, and he also added some rushing touchdowns as well. And the thing that was kind of even makes his season even more impressive was he was the only thing that team had going for him. Everyone knew it was coming, and he would still have a six-touchdown game. Um, and I know that sounds hyperbolic. He literally had a six-touchdown game in the play, in the Texas State playoffs. <laughs> he, he was Oh man. He was insane his final year. Not only did he have just a six touchdown game in the state playoffs, I think we're gonna when you look back on his senior year, you're gonna look back on it, assuming he's he has a good college career, his senior season is gonna look very similar to the way we kind of look back at Derrick Henry's final year. Yeah. The team was built around him and he just kept scoring and no one could stop him. Yeah. That's why he is he is my freshman wide receiver one right now. That obviously wow. with freshmen, that's gonna change that's that'll huge. change. You knew it was going to be one of the Ohio State guys because I can't help myself. But <laughs> yeah, uh, not a I definitely, all, but... from a production standpoint, I am uh, very high on what I saw. Fair enough. I know a lot of people like G. Scott too, but I, I'm a I'm a Fleming fan. He's a little bit more raw and it doesn't have the crazy numbers that Jackson Smith and Jigman did in in high school, but still produced. So uh, that's probably enough on your your favorite team, though. Uh, I mean, we could probably make a whole podcast about them, but. The Ohio State. Uh, I went to Purdue, so I hate saying you know anything good good about Ohio State. But I, I had to give you your moment. So <laughs> there you go. They they've given us a ridiculous amount of fantasy points over the years. One of the top five producing schools in in terms of wide re, wide receiver U and NFL production. Uh, another school that has has killed it. And we've been talking about Miami a lot. But the good news is for you that are tired of hearing about Miami is that they don't really have a whole lot to talk about at the wide receiver position. In the league now, that's super exciting, uh, or even you know just upcoming that looks super exciting. Like they, they might have a new X this year in Mark Pope, uh, maybe, but he looks a whole lot like a few of the other smaller, speedy X's that they've had recently that didn't really pan out. I mean, I mean, when you think Miami wide receivers, you think Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Santana Moss, even Alan Hearns, you know, Devin Hester. Uh, a bunch of guys like that. But here recently, they've really dropped off in the production department. So at least they still have running back and tight end you, but they don't look like they have the answer at uh, wide receiver anytime soon. 
but uh, Brevin Jordan could be their de facto wide receiver one uh, this year, given the depth that they have on their roster. Another school that's really killed it is LSU. And a lot of people think of, they may not think of Dwayne Bowe first, but he's actually the most, he's been the most productive in the past 20 years out of LSU. Killed it for about, you know, a good five years there and then kind of wasted away after that. But they also have, of course, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. And now next year, it looks like they're going to have Jamar Chase, who should be a top 10 NFL draft pick if, if things hold pace. And then Terrace Marshall, who was immensely underrated last year, a really big-bodied guy, and and then just sent Justin Jefferson to the first round, uh, and the you know to the Minnesota Vikings. So they look like they could be the wide receiver you moving forward, at least in that conversation, uh, as one of the top schools with tons of young players with several more years in their NFL career, and uh, some guys that could get some capital upcoming. Obviously, I'm a huge Jarvis Landry fan. He's been perennial under, <laughs> underrated for fantasy football purposes and real football purposes. Are you on team Jamar Chase being wide receiver one in all of college football right now? Right now, I am team Jamar Chase. I do think that there's probably more of a conversation to be had just from this final year because I hope they don't ruin him this year. I'm a little bit scared about what LSU's offense is going to look like this year without Joe Burrow and the coordinator whose name is escaping me right now. But it's going to be they're going to be an interesting offense, and I hope they don't ruin him. But you can't not put him one. The only other person who I think realistically deserves to be in the conversation is Rondale Moore. But after last season, it, it's Chase. Yeah, yeah. It, it could look a lot different because, you know, without Joe Brady, they're kind of masterminding that offense. They still have Steve Ensminger there who was actually the incumbent he was there before they brought in Joe Brady to be kind of the passing game coordinator and offensive coordinator co-offensive coordinator but I think they're going to keep a lot of things intact from last year but man they're replacing a ton of talent on offense and defense will the game script even look the same and Miles Brennan has not done much and when he's been on the field it has not been great is he the answer at quarterback I don't know I don't think LSU knows uh, and they're probably not going to start Max Johnson, uh, son of Brad Johnson, uh, from former NFL player. They're probably not going to start true freshman over Brennan this year. I'm a little nervous because uh, they're not going to be putting up 60 touchdowns again, that's for sure. But I think Chase really- is probably going to be the wide receiver one. He's going to be a top 15 NFL draft pick, if not top 10, if if not top five, even just based off of his ridiculous. I think it was 20,000 touchdowns last year, something like that. <laughs> Um, Pretty but, close. Yeah, something around there. But Terrace Marshall, I think he's been living in the shadows of the hype surrounding Justin Jefferson's four touchdown performance. And then, of course, Jamar Chase being the overall wide receiver one. And then, you know, people forget that he was actually on a really good pace prior to being injured last year. You know, he, he's somebody that still, even though he was hobbled at times, was able to score double digit touchdowns. So if he does that again, I feel like there's no way he's not going to be a day two pick next year, right? Definitely. He People kind of forget he was the other guy in that class. Like Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall came in and they were both, I'm pretty sure, five-star receivers joining that team. He's ridiculous also. And when he was on the field, he was a he was a real touchdown threat no matter pretty much what point in the game. He he was there. Honestly, I, I when he was on the field, they were even better on offense. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to discount. He had a 27% share of touchdowns last year. And like you said, double-digit, 13 touchdowns last year. And even with being hobbled for a decent portion of the year, over 600 yards receiving. So it's not like he went out there and had like a 300-yard season and was a true disappointment. It's just if he wasn't playing with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase last year, we'd probably be really excited about him entering this season. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like Alabama last year having – Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Waddle all on the same team. Somebody is going to have to not catch a ball on one play. You know, you can only have one guy who catches the ball unless uh, they just take turns lateraling to each other, which doesn't really count. But yeah, so I, th- I think it'll be fun to see Chase and Marshall take uh, giant chunks of market share this year, even if it's uh, this, the overall pie is a little bit smaller. But LSU, they've been dominant in the wide receiver conversation, wide receiver U conversation for a long time, and they're going to stay there. And really, we'll get to you know what they've done the past five years here in a little bit. But they're one of the top five schools, that's for sure, uh, throughout the, the past two decades. Florida is a name that I think a lot of people would not have guessed would have made the list in terms of being top five in, in NFL production over the past 20 years. But they did have Percy Harvin. They did have Jabbar Gaffney, uh, Daryl Jackson, even the end of Ike Hilliard's career. Uh, a bunch of long-term kind of contributing guys, but not top-end elite wide receiver play. That's really what Florida has given us for a long time. And, and, you know, they did just send Van Jefferson to the Rams, and he somehow got second-round capital, even though he basically didn't produce that much at all. <laughs> just defied all logic and got the the family pedigree bump, I guess, because his dad's a wide receiver coach, I guess. I, mean, I don't know. But uh, Justin Shorter is there still uh, you know former five-star number one overall recruit in his class Trayvon Grimes was hyped back up uh, in the day he's kind of produced maybe one of these guys kind of comes onto the scene this year because Jefferson's gone and because Kyle Trask is still improving and Dan Mullen and that offense still gets better this year but they might kind of start to to go away uh, in terms of the wide receiver you conversation here soon, unless somebody makes a, a big difference. Because, I mean, I don't think Demarcus Robinson for the Chiefs is going to kill it for very much longer uh, at all. And I don't think, uh, you know, uh, Antonio Callaway, he's already kind of screwed himself over just with uh, bad decisions, uh, even dating back to his college career. Are you high on any Florida wide receiver that's there right now? I want to be high on Justin Shorter. Like, I really, I want to still love Justin Shorter, but no. You can't be. There's no one that's produced at a level. And yeah, you've got talent. You might be able to get a year where like Grimes goes out there and puts up just ridiculous film for a year. And all of a sudden, some scouts fall in love with him. And he does get the Van Jefferson type out of nowhere. He's a day two pick. Yeah. But I think that if you're betting on that, that's a losing bet. So you, if you're hoping that talent starts coming through, you just got to look at Xavier Henderson is probably your hope. And that's, I mean, that's and coming in freshman. this year. So true. So you gotta you gotta wait a, a little while on that. So, and Xavier Henderson, uh, he is uh, C.J. Henderson's uh, little brother. C.J. Henderson, who just went in the first round of the NFL draft, playing cornerback. Uh, so you know, definitely an athletic family. But you're waiting a few years before you get somebody that projects pretty well, unless we Uh-oh. see Justin Shorter go back to looking like Demarius Thomas out of high school. Uh, and being, you know, that, that late bloomer and having a, a huge final year or two. But yeah, I don't I don't really see that in the cards 
uh, for Florida. I mean, like they, they may be top five, you know, since 2000, but they're not even top 30 in terms of uh, NFL production in the past five years. So they're kind of dropping off already and they might continue to trend in that direction. Florida State is another school, though, keeping it in, in Florida. You know, Anquan Bolden, and when you have Anquan Bolden, that's kind of cheating. You know, that, that kind of helps when you have a player stick around for about 47 years, uh, even though he ran like a like the world's slowest 40-yard dash. Uh, he found a way to still put up about 3,000 fantasy points by himself over his long career. Outside of him, you know, you got Lavernius Coles, Javon Walker, and Kelvin Benjamin's like two-year, three-year stint, whatever it was. Uh, but beyond that, not a ton of proven uh, options over the years. But they, they've just kind of bold and basically carried them <laughs> to the top five of NFL production. But they do have one player I am excited about. I know you're excited about. We're maybe less excited than some people are. Uh, I know a few Debbie and college analysts like him as their wide receiver, two or three or something like that. I'm not there, but Tamori and Terry, how high are you on him? I mean, he's returning uh, for his final season. He, he would have been interesting this year. Uh, maybe he just wants to avoid the super stacked class. I, I don't know why he chose to return for one more season. But he's going to have a, a nice chunk of market share available to him. Uh, are you excited to see what he can do in his final season? I am. I, I mean, like you said, we're we're lower than consensus on Terry, but we both basically see him as a fringe first round pick. We're not that low. It's just we're not going to stick our neck out and take him above Waddle, or I'm not going to take him up any. Like I'm not going to put him in the conversation with Rondale Moore. But you're talking about a guy who has. I believe they're saying he's low four four, potentially even high four three speed. He's a great yards yeah. after catch guy, and he's six four. Yeah, a lot of those things look really good when you're uh, looking at it. My my concern with him is I still look at pedigree. I think it matters to be a five star recruit versus a three star recruit. I, I do think that matters in some capacity. And so he was a three star. He redshirted his freshman year, and he's going to be a fourth year player. Those things just kind of scare me a little bit at least in the terms of tiebreakers. But, I mean, for all we know, he's going to go out and put up a 40% market share of yards, and it's just going to be insane. So he he could prove me wrong and make him, make me uh, regret not having him higher, but he's kind of one of those guys that I have in a – I have him in a weird range where I'm probably not getting a lot of shares of him. Yeah, uh, it, it, there's just a huge tier of really good wide receivers next year, and he's in it. Like, it, it And really, if I, if I had him as my wide receiver nine – he's right next to my wide receiver four. You know, he's like, there's just a massive chunk of really good day two talents, and he's right there with them. I mean, last year, he averaged almost 20 yards per reception, had a really effective season, uh, despite the offense not being great overall. In fact, he had almost 1,200 yards, and nobody else even had 400 through the air, which is just insane when you think about Talking about players, hey, we know you're you're going to throw to this guy. He's the only guy you throw to. We can't stop him. I'm sorry. You know he runs 24 miles an hour. I think that that's about as fast as he's been clocked running on field. He's just there are a lot of fun, like you said, physical and intangible, well, tangible things rather that you can measure that look great. And now you know Cam Akers leaves 30 receptions. They'll probably keep those with the running back. Trey McKitty, he's no longer there. He's with Georgia. You know, there are a bunch of receptions that are not there. So he could have a ridiculous market share 
in his final season. So I'm excited to see what happens there, and especially with Mike Norvell coming in from Memphis, who does like to go through one wide receiver quite a bit. I mean, like I think about you know Anthony Miller or even Demonte Demonte Coxie uh, in this uh, past year. He really just feeds that alpha wide receiver. So expect much, much more from uh, Tamori and Terry. And so that's the top five. And I'm not going to beat around the bush anymore. Wide receiver U is not Clemson. I already, I already hinted at that. A lot of people, uh, when I was asking people on Twitter and in, in, in groups of nerds like me that, that talk about college football, they thought, well, obviously Alabama's got to be up there, right? And since 2015, they have been. And we'll get to kind of the more recent five years of production. But no, those guys aren't it. The wide receiver university since 2000 is the Ohio State University. Uh, LSU is up there, uh, but uh, it's actually not super close in terms of uh, overall uh, fantasy production. They actually have, I think, 700 more fantasy points uh, than the second-place school in Miami. Third is LSU, and uh, fourth is Florida, Florida State, USC, and we'll get to them here shortly. They were up there pretty high. But um, once you get below that, the the lead that Ohio State has over the schools, they almost double everybody else, every other school pretty much uh, after that tier. So just a lot of really good players. And even pre-2000s, they've been kind of killing it. So can't can't talk about wide receiver U without talking about Ohio State being one of the best in, in just about every window of production that you want to even analyze since 2000, since 2010, since 2015, any, any five year range, they're going to be in the top five, uh, over the past 20 years. But I do want to hop into Clemson because since 2010, they have hopped into the top five of production. And a lot of people think of them as the wide receiver university because of what they've done here recently with, you know, Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously uh, uh, just killing it as of late, and other players coming in, and and really some fun uh, prospects like T. Higgins coming up on the Bengals, getting to catch passes from Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, people were excited about Justin Ross before he had a neck issue. Uh, Martavis Bryant, I mean, he he had some splashes there, and even guys like Adam Humphreys, who've been role players in the NFL for a long time. Clemson has just pumped out some NFL talent over the past 10 years like crazy. So, I mean, would you have guessed, like, before we even really got into the nitty-gritty and I shot you my nerdy spreadsheets, would you have guessed that Clemson was not a top-10 school or barely a top-10 school <laughs> since 2000? They, I would have I would have probably thought they were fifth at worst. And it, it, my only reason for having them fifth is just because it has been kind of recent that they switched to like this dominant program that was producing a ton of talent. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little bit surprised to see schools like Georgia and Michigan and Michigan state ahead of them since 2000. Cause I, I would have just thought that in, in my head, I would just think that Hopkins is just carrying them up to the top, but yeah. And I mean, he's now, had, now he will be, <laughs> yeah, his young career, he's already had 1800 fantasy points by himself. So that's, that's a huge chunk there. And when it's all said and done, uh, he, he will have definitely carried Clemson, uh, just about by himself. Even if everyone else does nothing from here on out, I think they will be just fine in the wide receiver U conversation from a production standpoint, but, and they haven't been, they haven't killed it in, as far as draft capital goes either as much of, 
as much as a few other schools. But here recently, I mean, they've had, I mean, descending Sammy Watkins being the fourth overall pick, Mike Williams being the seventh overall pick, uh, DeAndre Hopkins being the 27th overall pick. They've had three first rounders in recent memory. So that, that kind of rings through. Uh, pretty loudly uh, for us, and T. Higgins just barely missing first round draft capital. So can't can't say enough about where they've come as a program with Davo at the helm, and it doesn't look like it's going to change uh, anytime here soon. In the past, really, in the, in the college football playoff era, they were actually barely breaking the top ten in terms of recruiting until this past year, where they moved up again. But in, in coming seasons, it's looking like they're going to continue to stack the talent up. And even after losing a player that put up a thousand receiving yards in his true freshman season and then killed it again last year, uh, maybe to a lesser extent, Justin Ross, I, I mean, he looks like he, you know, he is rehabbing, but he had a, a neck issue that was kind of a surprise to many in the college football community. And he could be off the football field for good we're really not sure uh, even even still so they have a trio in in my opinion of a really exciting maybe maybe a fourth guy that could be exciting for future NFL production but uh I'll let, I'll let you get into that who's your favorite current wide receiver for the Clemson Tigers that could get some draft capital and add to their already ridiculous stable of NFL wide receivers now I want to go hot takey here I really don't want to pick this guy but I have to say Joe Nagata is the is the top guy that I'm excited about on that roster. He's He was a former four-star prospect. He was the one that actually contributed a decent amount as a freshman. He yeah. is 6'3", over 200 pounds, and he had 240 yards and three touchdowns as a freshman. That's, that's kind of what you want to see, especially on a team that has two NFL players or pouring out for Justin Ross as an NFL player maybe, but... I mean, two high-caliber NFL receiver talents, and you're seeing a freshman still get uh, time on the field. He looks like he's going to step in, and, I mean, it doesn't seem like they're super terrified about the fact that they lost Ross. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty safe to say they've got talent there. Yeah, and they've got Joe Ngata. They've got Frank Ladson. Uh, both of them were super highly rated recruits. I, Ngata, if he would have landed in a, in a different spot where he could have produced uh, more significantly right away, he would have been in my wide receiver one overall conversation just for pro projections uh, when he came in. And uh, really now, he he probably should be in that conversation for twenty two you know twenty twenty two NFL draft uh, conversations already. So ha- having Trevor Lawrence at the helm this year and then getting another five-star quarterback coming in right after that and DJ Uyunglele passing him the ball. It's going to really boost his production over the next two seasons. So I'm excited to see what happens there with him. But even beyond Ladson and, and Gata, you've got Amari Rogers, who last year came back super quick off a serious injury and was producing right away. Uh, could be an interesting slot prospect, probably a later round guy, but still fun. And then I really like EJ Williams, Dabo Sweeney, has already talked about EJ Williams being just like Justin Ross in this offseason. Uh, and EJ Williams is obviously their true freshman four star guy coming in. He doesn't have elite level straight line speed, but man, he's got some ball skills. And so if he can work into that wide receiver three role instead of Ladson, uh, that could be uh, somebody whose who's stock could skyrocket for us uh, nerdy Devi players. A few, a couple other schools before we kind of take a break and head into some capital conversation and a few other teams on the come up and things like that. California is a school that is another surprise. 
I think for many because they've uh, actually been top five since 2010 in terms of NFL production, top five even since 2015. Really, they've been consistent in in giving us some uh, serious fantasy point production. And uh, when you think about just three players' names, you'll know why it makes sense. Deshaun Jackson, who has not been in the news for the right reasons lately, uh, Keenan Allen, and Marvin Jones. Those three guys all have at least 1,100 fantasy points in their careers. Deshaun Jackson has over 2,000 by himself. When you look at those three wide receivers, they've, they've really carried California for the past decade, but have dominated. Uh, and, and if Demetrius Robertson, who's now in Georgia, had stayed at California, he probably would have gotten draft capital too. But for some reason, he tried to transfer and go to Georgia, Sweet. and that didn't really work out. But They've had uh, at least a trio of guys that have given them NFL production. They don't have a ton of exciting prospects right now, but that's just a name to to know because they've consistently been in the wide receiver U conversation for 10 years. And then, of course, Alabama. I already mentioned them. You know, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddell, that four wide receivers look like they all could be top 50 NFL draft picks. And when you mix in the fact that you know, they had just in the past 10 years, again, having guys like Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley coming in. Everyone, they're fresh on the mind, just like Clemson. They they look like they've been the wide receiver you for forever. But really, they were basically a zero in the NFL until Julio Jones. <laughs> Do you see them staying there, though, like now that they're up there on that, that top echelon with that recruiting and, and really looking more and more like a passing school you think they're going to stick in the top five and perhaps be the wide receiver university over your Buckeyes? I mean, I think they'll get in the conversation um, for sure. I, I think the the thought that Alabama is outside the top 10 should kind of be left in the past because Julio Jones has still got years left. Uh, Mari Cooper, still quite young. Calvin Ridley, still, I mean, he he's old, but he's not really old and then you potentially are going to have four first round wide receivers all join the mix within the next uh year so yeah yeah they're i mean they were the team that if you look at them they're gonna skyrocket up this list they're gonna they're gonna have a lot of points between now and like the next five years but yeah i mean they are a passing school at this point they've got they they keep recruiting the top overall running back and then managing to uh throw the ball an absurd amount so with Bryce Young under center, it's going to continue. So, yeah, they're they're going to keep having talent. Yeah, they've been fourth in terms of uh, fantasy points among all universities represented uh, with NFL talent uh, going right now with Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, and obviously adding Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs now, adding Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle next year. And then actually next year in the 2021 class, they have another trio of four stars coming in, even behind Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. So, you know, they also have John Mechie, a four-star guy who could explode this year. They've just, they're lined with talent all over the, all over the place with wide receivers. So if they continue to have solid quarterback play beyond Tua, it's going to be hard to not see them continue on this ridiculous arc of NFL production from the wide receiver position. But before we kind of wrap up the show with some more, you know, other top schools some rising names to know and things like that, a word from our sponsor bet online, there is no shortage of action 
going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE, BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Hello folks, Colin Kelly here from Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast I host along with Sean Siegel. And in just a little moment, we'll jump straight into the podcast. Before we do so, I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now on the rotoviz.com website. It gives you access to all of our content and tools and sets you up perfect for the NFL season. All you have to do is add the code 2020RVRADIO at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. And of course, while you're listening to the podcast on the network, helps us out a lot if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app. I really do appreciate that. As I mentioned at the start, Road of His Overtime with Sean Siegel twice a week. If you haven't already checked it out, be sure to do so after this show. But let's get straight into it. Enjoy the podcast. And so there are several other top schools that we need to at least mention. USC was just outside the top five in the, in the past 20 years. Michigan State, actually. Georgia, Michigan. And, and some of those names probably surprised, but they just had some steady producers for a really long time. Uh, USC definitely had a lot of, of good players get drafted early, even just this past year with Matt, Michael Pittman Jr. seeing some capital. But, you know, Keyshawn Johnson... Uh, even Nelson Aguilar, uh, you know, Robert Woods. Choo-choo. A lot of people forget that Robert Woods has been uh, consistently really good for the past, well, basically his entire career. He was even good when he was on the Bills. The Bills just pulled the Bills and wasted the, his rookie contract. But, uh, you know, M- Michigan State had Plaxico Burris. They had uh, Mushin Muhammad, whose son's actually a freshman at Texas A&M this year. Derek Mason, tons of guys uh, o- over the years that were contributors and Michigan, actually, that was surprising. Oh, I, I had some conversations with, with some people about Michigan and how many fantasy points they've scored. But they had Braylon Edwards. They had, uh, even back in the day, Desmond Howard, uh, Monty Toomer, uh, Mario Manningham, you know, with, with Eli, Jason Avant, some contributing players, even like Steve Breston. And just a bunch of names that have kind of been there, but you didn't think about it and they didn't produce on your fantasy teams for long enough. Uh, but uh, guys that contributed in the NFL. Georgia, though, everybody thinks of just because they think about Heinz Ward, they think about A.J. Green, and those two players by themselves would would be about a top 20 school in the past 20 years. So obviously, have to mention those those four schools in the wide receiver U conversation, even posting some pretty good uh, draft capital numbers uh, over the years uh, as well. But how have we not talked about Oklahoma, uh, given that C.D. Lamb was just a, a first-round NFL prospect, and before that we had Marquise Hollywood Brown. Are are you on Oklahoma maintaining their dominance as a wide receiver you candidate here soon? I'm not betting against Lincoln Riley giving a receiver a chance to put up video game numbers. I think you're. I don't know if you're in the same camp as me, but we're probably both a little bit sad that Jaden Hazelwood is hurt because he was kind. Of, he appeared to be the next in line to be the cd lamb the hollywood brown somebody getting just numbers that were going to get him absurd capital and now he's at least going to miss this year and it's hard to see him coming back fully and getting the same type of capital that he would have 
But yeah. I mean, we we say that, and in that same recruiting class, they had another five star receiver, Theo Weiss, who now everyone is somewhat rightfully all of, uh, on on board with as an early pick. So yeah, they're they're gonna get they're gonna get a bunch of players in the next few years, and they're another team that you should probably circle as they're gonna move up this list. Yeah, and and not many people realize how many contributors they've had over the years as well. But Kenny Stills has had a really underrated career. Mark Clayton uh, was really good in the early 2000s. Sterling Shepard, really good contributing wide receiver over the years. So they've just been sneaky for a while in terms of uh, actual NFL production. And then they add two first-round receivers in two years in a row. Uh, So that's probably going to help. Marquise Hollywood Browns, maybe not going to be a super volume play on the Ravens, given how they constructed their offense, Uh, but he's going to be around for quite a while. And he could be that Deshaun Jackson that sticks around in a field stretching role and add some yak underneath as well for a very long time. It's CeeDee Lamb. He might not produce what we want him to right away because of Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, but he's going to be a really good player for the uh, Cowboys, and even if he doesn't stick there long-term, he's going to be a good NFL player for a long time thanks to that first-round NFL draft capital that's going to probably drag his uh, career longer than than it should, even if he busts, which I don't think is going to happen. A few other honorable mentions, I guess, that were lower, but they've had a, some really good players. Pittsburgh, people that are big Larry Fitzgerald fans are probably screaming Pittsburgh at the podcast right now. But really outside of... Larry Fitzgerald, they haven't had a bunch. They had one of the a couple of really bad busts, like John Baldwin, AJ Jenkins. Yeah. Antonio Bryant was really good. Uh, not Antonio Brown, Antonio Bryant. And of, of course, Tyler Boyd uh, continues to produce. So they could maintain that status for a while. But uh, right now, it doesn't look like they have a, a bunch of really intriguing NFL prospects. Uh, same with Oregon State. They don't have a bunch of really intriguing NFL prospects. They just did send Isaiah Hodgins to round six draft capital, I think. Uh, but he's on the Bills, so they're going to ruin his career. But they had Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, that is. TJ Husmanzada, Brandon Cooks. They've had a trio, just like California had, of really dominant players between 2005 and 2000. Well, really, even now with, with uh, Brandon Cooks. And then Notre Dame. We could probably talk about them for a second because Golden Tate has had a really underrated career. Uh, he's actually got 1,700-plus fantasy points. Michael Floyd was really good throughout his rookie contract, fooled a lot of us uh, at times. Will Fuller, when he's, when, he helped, when, you know, when he's healthy, scores five touchdowns a game. When he's not, it's pretty unbearable. They actually have some interesting guys to talk about now that a lot of people might not be thinking of. Kevin Austin uh, is really low-key talented player that has made some dumb mistakes, got in trouble with the team, but he could be the wide receiver one this year. Jordan Johnson was just barely, he's a true freshman, just missed the five-star cutoff uh, among most recruiting services, but he's a top 40 recruit in the nation. And Ian Book's not bad as a passer. We talked about him, but Tyler Buckner for Notre Dame is going to make some wide receivers look stupid. Uh, really stupid good for the next uh, three years when he joins the team next year. He's my QB1 uh, for the 2021 recruiting class. Uh, have you had a chance to look at Buckner at all? I have not, to be <laughs> that's, that's completely fine. honest now. <laughs> I, I'm, I just nerded out over this kid. He had like 1,600 rushing yards, something stupid last year. Oh, wow. So crazy dual threat guy, but he's got arm strength to chuck it 55 plus yards in the air. 
and uh, really re- resets his feet well. His pocket presence is incredible, and his able to, to his ability to throw from virtually any platform, though even when he really has to, is incredible. So I'm excited to see what that means for Notre Dame wide receivers. Buckner by himself could make that program interesting for for the next uh, three years, even beyond Ian Book and his surprise success. Former three-star quarterback working out for Notre Dame. Buckner is a five-star. So that's a program to watch in the wide receiver U conversation that we might not be thinking of all the time. But who are some of your favorite schools that are on the come up into this conversation? So I guess I'll uh, I'll start with a school you're familiar with. We'll start with Purdue, because how do you not mention Rondale Moore? Obviously, his freshman year was insane, and we can all just forget that one night game against Ohio State. Um, no, no, we're not gonna. He, no, we're not gonna forget that one. Where they <laughs> I'll dominated. Be honest, Ohio I didn't State. watch that game because <laughs> my power went out for two days, and it started because of a storm during that game. So it, I didn't see it. It never happened. Um, and then, really interesting, and I, I'm interested to watch him this year is David Bell, who when Moore went down with an injury, I would have thought their offense might have just gone to zero, and obviously losing Rondale Moore hurt it. But Bell went out and put up some some very serious numbers and at least has to be considered in the like conversation for better young receivers in the upcoming seasons. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Bell had among all true freshmen last year, George Pickens for Georgia had the best adjusted production index among all true freshman wide receivers really killed it. Almost doubled everybody's numbers, uh, like looking at their market share and their efficiency in terms of yards per team pass attempt. Any kind of metric, Pickens was the guy, but David Bell was definitely second uh, when Rondell Moore went down. Bell, as a true freshman, had over 80 catches, 1,000 yards, and, a, and and seven touchdowns. With Bryson Hopkins, the tight end, gone, that leaves 800 yards uh, on the table. And uh, Malik Carrs is an incoming kind of hybrid tight end wide receiver for them. Also going to play basketball for them, but the show, it's going to be the Rondale Moore and David Bell show. So I'm excited to see what that means for my Purdue Boilermakers. That is my alma mater for those uh, listeners that are curious as to why I'm excited about such a historically awful team. But uh, Rondale Moore and David Bell could change that for the program if they keep on bringing in some fun playmakers because of what they're doing with them and giving them just force feeding targets just giving them some bonkers numbers, I think that could entice some recruits to keep coming and uh, perhaps uh, bring Purdue into the wide receiver U conversation, although they've never been known for that. North Carolina, though, is is my is probably my favorite team that I have no reason to be a fan of right now other than just the playmakers on it. I mean, we, we mentioned Sam Howell in the QB episode, but Diami Brown and Daz Newsome and even their true freshman Josh Downs they look to be super exciting, and I think they're going to challenge Clemson before we know it, uh, at least be in that that uh, championship uh, in line, maybe, maybe be one game behind Clemson here soon because Sam Howell is the QB1 for 2022. Daz Newsom and Diami Brown should both be in day two draft capital conversations next year. So th- those guys could produce at the NFL level and be a lot of fun for a long time. Uh, do you have a favorite between Diami or, or Daz? I, I told you this before the podcast we started recording. Diami Brown's going to make me look really stupid for having him ranked fairly low going into the year. And it's because everything I keep seeing, every time I go and try and like do a little more research on him, 
I have to move him up more because he's just, he's that good. He averaged 20 yards per reception last year. That's stupid. Yeah. He had 12 touchdowns on 51 receptions. (laughs) He scored on more than 20% of his plays last year. That's stupid. Um, (laughs) He is, he is a ridiculous talent. And I, I mean, Everything about Sam Howell. Sam Howell will continue. Will make him look even better than he is, and he is very talented on his own. So, yeah, that's it's it's Brown, and I'm very excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah, uh, me too. I I just keep, I I cannot wait to see what that offense looks like if if we do get to see them play some offense at all here soon but Danny Brown he's already just shy of what we like to see in terms of a production profile uh, and if you mix him you know if you mix any draft capital with the current production profile that he has he would automatically be in a tier that typically sees NFL success about 75% of the time just to kind of summarize it there for you but if he sees any increase whatsoever in terms of his efficiency or volume or market share numbers this year uh, Diami's going to be in a, in a conversation that looks like he, he's he's almost that can't miss type player if he gets that day two tag next year. So I'm excited to see him. Uh, SMU is uh, one of the only G5 schools, group of five schools that is anywhere near the wide receiver U conversation, and that's because Emmanuel Sanders has been really good. And Cole Beasley has been pretty good over the years. Even Aldrick Robinson had had some had some years where he was okay. And uh, even like Trey Quinn, it could stick some this year for the Redskins. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But Cortland Sutton is the guy I'm excited about for the future of that school. If he puts up some bonkers numbers for the next you know five ten years alongside Jerry Judy, and uh, probably not Drew Locke, <laughs> but we'll see if if he pans out. For the Broncos, but Cortland Sutton is is legit, uh, putting up a couple really good seasons already on a trajectory to to be one of those guys that sticks and gets a really huge second contract. So SMU could be a, an up and comer as well. But Maryland, I'm gonna let you talk about Maryland because there's a couple of guys you're really excited about. So it's sort of disappointing that Maryland hasn't had a good quarterback in forever <laughs> or that they just don't <laughs> seem to value the quarterback position. Hey, they've but, got Talia now. Talia Tengavaloa could, could be the answer. You know, you never know. Maybe. <laughs> I, I really want thought he should have gone to South Florida because he might have actually been the best player on that team. But uh, I, I just don't – I don't have high hopes for him. Um, but I, I think they have two really interesting wide receivers. We'll start with the high-profile name, and that's five-star receiver in the 2020 class, and that's Rakeem Jarrett. There are a lot of people who see him as the top overall wide receiver in this class. Uh, it was 27 in the 247 composite. He was 27th nationally uh, overall, and he was the fourth overall wide receiver and number one player in this state of or in the DC area. So, really highly rated player and should be the most talented wide receiver on that team. The guy who I'm looking forward to this year is my. Uh, guy who I'm kind of referring to as a DJ Moore clone in his production, and that's Dante Demas. He only had 600 yards or 625 yards receiving last year, but it was over 30% market share. And with the way that everything's kind of gone this offseason, I think he's kind of one of the players that you look at who's in line for potentially even more and a bigger share just because he already has a built-in relationship with the coaching staff. And it's it's easy to throw to say, go throw to this player when you know that guy's name which is in jest because they obviously know who jared is but 
rather than throwing all the ball, throwing everything to a freshman, they've got this guy who they've already force fed the year before. So yeah, he's, he's definitely not a guy right now who should be on anyone's radar, but he's way on my radar just because it looks too good. He, I mean, he had a third 0.33 dominator last year and also produced as a freshman. So that's usually my type of player. Yeah. Demas is, is super sleeper among most people that, uh, like college football, mainly because Maryland has not been very good. But as a program, I mean, when you think about the draft capital and success they've had, Darius Hayward Bay was a top 10 NFL draft pick. DJ Moore recently, obviously a first round NFL draft pick. Torrey Smith was pretty good for a while in the NFL. And now, and of course, Stefan Diggs, he's been a pretty good player for, for a while now. Uh, but they could bring in uh, some interesting players if they ever get quarterback play at all. Rakeem Jarrett is one of my favorite wide receivers in the class. Five-star kid. Looks like Debo Samuel. Uh, really, Debo Samuel clone. Uh, almost exactly. Height, weight, I think speed, yak ability, everything. So they're they're a, a fun program upcoming. And then, uh, you know, of course, uh, Penn State uh, with Chris Godwin and uh, Al Robinson could enter into the wide receiver U conversation here soon. Uh, KJ Hamler just got some draft capital too. Don't see a whole lot there to get excited about. I mean, besides maybe Jahan Dotson, uh, they're more of a tight end you as of late with Pat Farmuth looking to be the real deal and Mike Gesicki about to break out this year in the NFL. But uh, that's about all the time we have for wide receiver you. I, I hate to admit it, but it is still the Ohio State University. It could be LSU as they've been the top school in the past five years thanks to Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry could be Alabama could be Clemson there's a few other schools in that conversation but the Ohio State has been the only long-term studly school for the last 20 years so whatever I'll I'll give that to you Matt but but Matt I I really appreciate you coming on the show and just uh, sharing your wealth of Debbie and college uh, football knowledge is anything else you want to plug before we uh, sign off here uh, keep an eye on the NFL prospect series. I, like I said, I've got two more getting ready to come out here shortly. And uh, yeah, just had Ohio State and USC. Check those ones out. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We already have about six of the top 10 programs out there here and available. I've got my Georgia piece about to drop here soon Soon, also. Uh, breaking down all their future NFL draft prospects. But thanks for joining us for another College to Canton podcast. Uh, Feel free to leave a rate and review. That helps us a ton. We're a brand new show. Want to reach as many people as possible. And do leave a question in there uh, that we'll actually get to in the show. We'd love to do a mailbag episode uh, later this summer. Look forward to many more episodes on the College to Canton podcast. But until then, you guys stay well, stay safe and enjoy some fantasy football and hopefully we'll get to enjoy some college and NFL here soon. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. 
the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.